who Tudor minded people. It's Philadelphia Carry for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is Boya. And yet, even as I share it, I must confess that I believe that you, dear Ningles, shall have very little cause to use it, for Boya is a word for nobility, and so few who give ear to me are nobles. This makes my heart heavy. I wonder to myself, must you prepare your own food? Must you lace your own drawers? I cannot think what you endure. And this word is not for English nobility. No, it may surprise you to learn that other countries also have nobility. It is true. You surely know there is a king of Spain and also of France and some other countries whose names do not come to mind. This word is used in a country that is very far from England called Russia. In Russia, their nobility of high rank are called boyars. And at the tip-top of the nobility is a man who is called the Tsar. Imagine this. Even though Russia is across land and sea, the Tsar had heard tell of my Gloriana, Elizabeth. Oh, she is the son. This Tsar's nom de plume was Ivan, or perhaps you have heard Ivan the Terrible. He once desired to marry my dear queen, but we know that our good Queen Bess was clever as an apothecary when it came to marriage. She created scents sweet as a pomander, but if you tasted, it was bitter herbs. <laughs> Boyar, how now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. And we're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word and listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project. So diverting. And I pray bid you tell an ingle, for I enjoy all those who love a word. Tudor Files, thank you for listening. Every one of you has the wit of Rosalind and the heart of Cordelia. And maybe the patience of Job for putting up with Philadelphia. And <laughs> thank you for writing to Philadelphia on YouTube and suggesting words we love hearing from you. How do you spell our Tudor word of the week, Philadelphia? It is spelled B-O-Y-A-R, boyar. And a boyar is a member of the Russian aristocracy who is just beneath the princes. So if you have the czar and then you have princes and then you have the boyars. And similar to the English nobility, the Russian aristocracy gained influence and in land if they served the sovereign well and he was pleased with what they did, then he would grant them lands and titles. Indeed. And the country of Russia in my time was not as I have seen it drawn on your maps. It was but a small portion of that land. So Ivan was crowned the Tsar of all Russia at 16 years old, and he almost immediately got married. But then he had many wives, rather like King Henry VIII. He didn't have six wives, though, did he? Six or eight. <laughs> Historians are not quite sure. Ivan married his first wife in 1547, just two weeks after he was crowned. And that's about 10 years before Elizabeth ascends the throne. And like Henry... It seems like Ivan really loved his first wife, Anastasia Romanova, who did have children, five of them, 
unlike Catherine of Aragon, who only, of course, had one living child. And everyone seems to think she had a kind of calming influence over Ivan. And that at that time, he genuinely wanted to improve life for his subjects. He imported the first printing press and he formed a parliament of boyars. And Ivan and Anastasia were married for 13 years. And as history tells it, you know, we don't know, but it was a pretty happy marriage. And Anastasia Romanova is the great, 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 great aunt of the Romanov family that ultimately dies in the Russian Revolution. So that just shows you 1% then, 1% (laughs) later. So, and unfortunately for the people of Russia, Anastasia dies early. And some say she dies because of poisoning, but other people say she died of illness. It's very difficult to know. But after she died, Ivan becomes really paranoid about attacks on his life, and he becomes much more angry and volatile. And then he married another woman. And Gage and I just want to put it out there that our Russian pronunciation is subpar. So please excuse us as we wade through these names. The next wife was named Maria Temruvka, and they had a four-year marriage that ended with her supposedly being poisoned. So some said she was poisoned by the nobles, but others said it was the boyars. Then Marfa Sobankina, again, pardon my Russian, in 1571, who seems to have died by poisoning just days after the marriage. A court of dissemblers and all a hugger-mugger. Three sarinas to die of poisonings. It sounds like the end of Hamlet. How can it be? Poisoning at the time was considered the classy way of getting rid of someone. There were even well-known poisoners who were considered good at it. They were considered artists. And I actually don't know what it means to be good at poisoning. Does it mean the death was quick? Does it mean the death looks like a disease? Does it mean the death was slow and painful? Anyway, the death of the third Tsarina was apparently not what Ivan wanted. And he was not happy about it. And he executed quite a few people in response to her death. And some he executed by impaling them. Oh my gosh. Then he married Anna Kolovaskia, who was sent to a convent for not having children, because while Ivan already had children, it was we said he wanted more children. You can never have too many children for these guys. And then another Anna, Anna Vasilchaikova, who was also sent to a convent. And I have to say, these men are determined to be married because Ivan marries again. How does he convince these women to marry him? It just seems like they would try to find a way to get out of it. Do you think he uses a sweet tongue and fubbery? Indeed not. He announces that I am Tsar. Marry me, and these ladies must. But not my Elizabeth, for she is queen in her own right. All right, let's wait for a second on Elizabeth. Because then Tsar Ivan married Vasilisa Melitinaivia, who was a concubine or a slave, but who he freed, married, and raised to be Tsarina, who he also caught having an affair. Oh, no. Frackens. Did he behead her? No, he actually didn't, but he did impale her lover in front of her and sent her to a convent, and she died there. I guess in the scheme of things, that's not so bad for her. For her lover, it's not so great. Well, to be honest, historians aren't sure if she actually existed or if she was some type of 19th century fraud. The evidence for her existence, is it's kind of complicated. Well, for her own sake, I hope she's imaginary. 
The next wife, again, may or may not have existed. She's Maria Dolgoruke, who may or may not have been discovered to have a lover and may or may not have been a virgin on the wedding night, which of course was a big deal, and who may or may not have been drowned by Ivan if she ever existed. So there's a lot of reasons they think that these wives may have been made up. One was in the 19th century, forging historical documents and telling these stories was extremely popular and you could make a lot of money selling the forged historical document by the woman who cheated on the Tsar of Russia. The other thing that's really compounding it is that in the Orthodox Church, you can only have four wives. So Ivan started saying, oh, I wasn't really married to that wife because we didn't consummate the marriage. And just like Henry, he also broke with the church to marry more than four women. Then there's no church records about what happened. And it's then crazy. He, I know. It's, it's really, it's actually crazy how many similarities there are between him and Henry. And at the end, there is one spouse who does, like Catherine Parr, survive. Survive. Huzzah. It's a relief. Yes. So the 51-year-old Tsar married Maria Nagaya, and she had a son. And then Ivan died. And fortunately for her, she was not poisoned. She was sent into exile with her child. So it's something like died, poisoned, poisoned, convent, convent. <laughs> perhaps didn't exist, but also went to the convent, drowned, or didn't exist. And then she survived. <laughs> I don't know. That would be a more complicated musical to do than the musical six about Henry's wives. Two of them may not have existed, or they might have existed. So that's why there's the question, was he married six times or eight times? And actually, when you look on the interwebs, sometimes they say eight wives, and sometimes they say six wives. You can see both. Anyway, he was so busy. When did he have time to propose to Elizabeth? <laughs> Just after the first two wives in 1570, word of my queen's unparalleled beauty and wisdom came to his ears. He heard that Gloriana refused all suitors, but he did bethink himself to be a man no woman could deny. Why, I do not know. Philadelphia, I admire that you think he cared about her wisdom, but I tell you, I do not think that he did. Anyway, Elizabeth is 37 at this time, and... Actually, she has a great trading relationship with Russia. It's funny because we have talked also about how at around this time, Elizabeth was also offered the king of Sweden, who also had a very tumultuous situation with women. He had a harem and he married his servant. Right, again, he's like servant. a little kooky. And I mean, just this idea that somehow all these men were so much more reasonable than the women would be as queens. I don't know. It just, it just blows your mind. But, but anyway, can you imagine how precarious Elizabeth must have felt when she heard this guy was proposing marriage? Both the first wives had suspicious deaths and she has her own situation with her memories of her mother being killed. But I'm sure she was thinking, I want to maintain good trade relations, but I really do not want to marry this man. Ivan, though, he's not a super chill dude, though I don't think he would have appreciated being rejected. That baggage, he did not, and he most baby boyishly wrote my gracious queen an insulting letter. And what did he say? He wrote, And we had thought that you had been ruler over your land and had sought honour to yourself and profit to your country, and therefore we did pretend those weighty affairs between you and us. But now we perceive that there be other men that do rule, and not men, 
but boyars and merchants, the which seek not the wealth and honour of our majesties, but they seek their own profit of merchandise, and you flow in your maidenly estate like a maid. Ivan says that he pretended, pretended that Elizabeth was in charge, I'm sure to like not ruffle her feathers because he's so reasonable. But the whole time, who he thinks was really in charge? Uh, merchants and other nobles, boyars running the country. It's so insulting. I mean, and the flow in your maidenly estate like a maid, like blah. Because you're a virgin, you can't think straight, you know? I'm sure he's not the first ruler to say that Elizabeth didn't rule her own country. It's so cowardly. He should be called Ivan the Dastard. The miscreant is too rude to my queen. And our court has none of these Russian boyars. We have dukes and duchesses, marquis and marchioness, earls and countesses, viscount and viscountess, baron and baroness. My own dear father was an earl. Did I say so before? This Tsar, who I do hate, has watered his wit with his own piss and murdered it. Well said, Philadelphia. Oh, Ningle Gage, I cannot contain my wit. Well, it's no surprise that Elizabeth did not make a marriage with him. Obviously, she didn't really want to get married, and it kept everyone guessing. But she was very savvy. And Queen Elizabeth and Tsar Ivan did continue to have trade and diplomatic relations for ever for the rest of her reign. That was the Elizabethan way. Give heed, Tudor Files. Bring some 16th century source to your vocabulary with Boyer. Don't miss a word. Listen in next time and give me a like. <laughs>